years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. Sam! Hey! Sam! Excellent performance! Yeah, the goal, of course, speaks for itself, yeah, but your tactical discipline. Hey! They are certainly going to miss you around here. Ah, um, <laughs> Mr. Akufo. I truly enjoyed meeting you, I, and I'm so flattered by your offer. I'm sorry, but my answer is no thank you. I'm, I, I don't believe my time here at Richmond is over, and, and for that reason I have to stay. I hope you can understand. You Nigerian mother Whoa. You Yoruba trash! Who the f do you think you are wasting my time? You medium talent piece of Medium talent? I will dedicate my life to destroying you, you f***ing asshole. You will never play on the Nigerian national team. Hmm. You understand me, Pinky Dick? Never. Hmm? I will buy your childhood home, and I will take a in every room, and then I will burn the place down. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm going to ask producer Dave if he has caught up on the latest season of Ted Lasso. I am producer Dave. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't caught up on it. Uh, the latest season I have watched the first two, so we, we've talked about this already. I've watched the yeah, first yeah. two, and you know that I my favorite scene is that the one in the last episode of the last of the second series, yeah, <laughs> with uh, Sam, Samo. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time I think about it. To be quite honest, Sam overside it, and I, I always I always want to reference the, the that particular scene, and I always forget the actor's name. So I'm going to go back into it. Give me two seconds. Um, and uh, yeah, because I know this, I, you just have to say the, the the last scene, the last episode of the end of the last episode of season two, and I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. So, so he was tomorrow, in Tomorrow War, wasn't he? Yes. So yes, yes, he is in Tomorrow War, Tomorrow's War. Uh, so Tohib Jehoma, Jemoha is Sam Obisanya. He's always brilliant, always fantastic um, as the Nigerian football player with um, ooh, who's always who always has. The, he always wants to be on the right side of history, not in a malicious way, but just because that's how he was raised. He's very well brought up. And as such, that kind of contrasts what real football players in real year, in real life uh, occur. So anyway, so the scene is between him and the and this other actor where I'm still going to find his name. And you're right. He was in um, tomorrow, the tomorrow War. The Tomorrow War. That's it. Sam Richardson. So American actor Sam Richardson, you would have seen him in things like Veep. Uh, so he was in more of the middle to later seasons of Veep. He is in a, an Apple TV series called The uh, the After Party. Uh, he recently lent his voice as Norville in the the, the animated show Velma, which uh, the less said about that, the best, the better. 
but yeah, he, that's it. He's also in Har Harley Quinn. He's Swamp Thing in Harley Quinn, but he provides a voice for a number of other things. Anyway, you've seen him around. You recognize his face. When he when he pops up in Ted Lasso, he is brilliant. He plays this Ghanaian multi-billionaire and uh, with hopes of of building an African super team. So, so it's like a club. And he, the way he describes it, he says, you know, it's going to be like the top five. It's going to be when they mention clubs. It's going to be Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Juventus, and I can't remember the name he gives it. But he says it's going to be a beacon to call all the great African players back home to represent this one team. And that's why he's courting Sam Ovisanya. So it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. The build-up, the build-up. And the execution of that arc, both actors play it fantastically. <laughs> I, I wanted to be if, if there's if there, if there are any scenes in history on TV that I would want to say I was there when they rehearsed it, when they shot it, that would be one of them because oh, that scene is just brilliant. It is just uh, pure magic, and and. I will eat kinky. <laughs> I, was, I was crying. I was. I think I've watched that scene every time I actually go to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. Um, the first episode, I instantly default back to that last episode and that last, and that particular scene because yeah. it just sets me off every single time and. Um, you know, I talk about it a lot, but people have to watch some of that second series to get where it's going. Of and course. the only way, and the only way, really, to be able to get the whole idea of it is to watch the whole se is to watch two seasons. To be quite honest, that that's the thing. Yes, yeah, so that that's I mean, with Ted Lasso, there are a lot of scenes that are clippable, right? You can clip them and play them, and you know they're funny. Um, there's this one clip I, I have, I, I put on TikTok, uh, which is of, uh, it, it's just an interaction between Keely and Roy, where they're going to a funeral, and uh, Keely says, it says to Roy something along the lines of, um, you know, do you ever think about it? what should I, what would I do if you got run over by a bus? And Roy's response is, You'd find the bus driver and you'd avenge me, Keely. Avenge me. It's it's taken off like wildfire because because it's so funny that little clip of a moment. But one of the best things about that particular moment is it's not even what you see straight away. The, there are people who are watching that little bit and they're like, okay, okay, that's a little funny, but it's not too funny. But the reason why it's so funny is because, as you said, you watch the two series, the two seasons, and you know. Who Keely is, you know who Roy is. The fact that that's the kind of joke that Roy is making shows you how comfortable he is as a character to make that joke compared to what you know him as for two, now two and a half seasons, right? For him to be able to make that lighthearted joke with Keely, it's just, it adds it adds to it. It makes it so fantastic. And that's the same thing with the, uh, the Obisanya uh, scene uh, which is it's just fantastic. Anyway, so you haven't caught up on season three. No, I haven't. No, not yet. I I, I was uh, I decided to focus all my efforts on watching all of Mandalorian, which is another, which is another one. 
Uh, yeah, we, we don't have time to talk about some stuff. We have we have to move on very very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you notice you notice people that he's slight wanting to move on very quickly on that one because he hasn't watched a single episode of the the third season of Mandalorian, which um, is. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just on your side, but Zoom is not. I can't. I, I'm not hearing what's coming from your side of the of Zoom. So I, I, I think we'll just carry on with. Yeah. Show. Right. Okay. Yeah. If you say so. <laughs> I promise I'll watch it. I will. I will watch it. I want to watch it. Every time I say I want to sit down and start to watch it, there something else pops up. Like the flight attendant pops up, and I'm like, oh, I was halfway through that season, so let me go watch it. And and I watched the Truman Show recently. Um, you know, mini mini Marcus. Uh, Jacob Ako, who's going to be taking over this show in a few years' time, he wanted to watch the Truman Show, and he's been pushing me to watch it. I was like, "All right, don't worry, we'll sit down. You're going to watch it." And I've had this thing recently where I've been showing him some things that I really like, and I'm in my head, I'm thinking, "He's just like me. He's going to love this show or this film." And it's just been like Firefly. He he cut out twenty minutes into the first episode of Firefly. And I've never wanted to punch my kid so hard in the face before. And it's like, so and that's why I'm very weary about showing him some of the things that I really like. Um, Truman Show, you know, the Peter Weir uh, film, the directed film uh, starring Jim Carrey, uh, Ed Harris, and a whole bunch of, uh, you know, great character actors who are just behind the scenes. Paul Giamatti is in there. And it's like, it's only on rewatching and you're like, Oh my goodness! You, you were you were in this film in like an extra role, just walking past. Even the, even even Jacob was like, "Hey, it's him from Brooklyn Nine Nine." Hey, it's and just pointing at different people. I'm like, "Yeah, wow, I completely missed that." But um, yeah, so you know, those who've never seen Truman Show, brilliant film from the '90s with Jim Carrey, where he's the only person who doesn't know he's in a reality TV show because the entire show has been constructed. Um, around him uh, so the, the cameras have been following him since he was in the womb and since his birth and everything everything around him his friends his family are all actors and that's what the, the, the film is about so um, watch that recently that film still holds up to this day I mean yeah there are some slight you know, technical technological things that, like, when you see some of the computers, you're like, okay, well, fair enough. You, you know, that's that's to be expected. Um, but it still holds up. The themes still hold up to today. The dialogue still holds up. The product placement. You were talking about product placement uh, the other the other day. It's still all of it. Just it's so great. That satire is so biting. How um, you know people? Uh, and I'm watching this, and I'm feeling judged. Because it's like straight after watching Truman Show, I flicked off uh, of of Sky Planner and I see Married at First Sight Australia right there, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna watch that episode tomorrow. <laughs> so it's like you know that's what Truman Show is all about, right? It's like capturing, it's it's kind of satirizing the whole the idea of loads of people dedicating their lives to watching a reality TV show, which is orchestrated by a bunch of cynical filmmakers right so you see emotional bits like the reunion of truman and his dad and they're playing music and you see him welling it up and all that kind of stuff anyway great show and he loved it the verdict is he loved it he watched it from beginning to end didn't blip out no attention span uh, depreciation at any point he loved the movie he caught some bits that had taken me double watching 
to catch. There was one bit where he saw, even before the reveal, the wife's fingers crossed when she kisses him. And he caught it when the camera first pans past it. He was like, why has she got her fingers crossed? And the camera pans back to it. And I'm like, how the hell did you see that in first go? That's how great that film is. Anyway, Truman Show, yeah, we, we move from one bit to the next. That's anyway, just, back to... Back, 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 to why, back to why I haven't seen Mandalorian. <laughs> it's like... So, yeah. I, you know, I will watch, I will, I'll tell you what, this weekend, I'm going to binge watch The Mandalorian, the, the latest season of The Mandalorian. And then next week, or whenever we get the chance, we will sit down and we'll talk about it. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have a number of things that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking again about Ted Lasso later on in the news. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. And then we'll be discussing the film Nope, the Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's third outing, third cinematic outing, Nope, which uh, which he brings back Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Oscar-winning Daniel Kaluuya. I want to add, I love saying that. It's like, my, my G's got an Oscar. That's amazing. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that in our spotlight section. But before we do that, let's jump into film and TV news. So first of all, first film and TV news, one of the things that we want to talk about uh this is, I just found this out, and Priest David found it out apparently a couple of hours before me. Uh, we The news has broken as of this recording. Harry Belafonte, Calypso King, who worked for African-American rights, dies at 96. So Harry Belafonte, most famous, famously known for the, uh, the is it the Banana Song? Is that what it's called? Where... Yeah, film film enthusiasts will remember this the famous song from Beetlejuice. The one that goes, Dale, Misa Dale, Dale I come and me one go home. That song. That's kind of like that's my first um, you know, uh knowledge of Harry Belafonte. That song was famously used in Beetlejuice, uh, famously used in one of my favorite episodes of The Muppet Show. I really enjoyed that episode. I played that on loop. Um, anyway, don't matter. Um, but, <laughs> and, but he's also an actor. Uh, he's been in a number of things, which, funnily enough, gets referenced in Nope. We'll talk about that later on. He was one of one of the um, one of the main westerns featuring black cowboys, like one of the first westerns featuring black cowboys um, with Sidney Poitier. I can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, it's featuring Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte. He uh, Harry Belafonte died. Uh, um, it, well, it was announced on the 25th of April 2023 that he died. And it says here, this is an article on um, IMDb News. They were quoting Variety. So singer, actor, producer, and activist Harry, Harry Belafonte, who spawned a calypso craze in the U.S. with his music and blazed new trails for African-American performers, died Tuesday of congestive heart failure at his Manhattan home. He was 96. An award-winning Broadway performer and a versatile recording and concert star of the 50s, the live, handsome Belafonte became one of the first leading Black men in Hollywood. He later branched into production work on theatrical films and telepics. 
As his career stretched into the new millennium, his commitment to social causes never took a backseat to his professional work. In fact, producer Dave, you you mentioned uh, just before we started recording the last time we saw uh, Harry Belafonte on screen, right? He, well, yeah, the last time he was in, in on film was um, Black Klansman, which we talked about extensively at the time. An excellent film. I was about to shoot myself in the foot and say, yeah, you know, directed by Quentin Tarantino. I know like, it wasn't Tarantino. No. Spike Lee. <laughs> it is. Yeah, Spike. If, if, you know, we know Spike Lee listens to our, our show, so he would have... He would have <laughs> subscription straight after hearing me make that, that mistake. No, it was directed by Spike Lee. Great film. Um, and uh, Harry, uh, Harry Belafonte appears in it as a cameo where he's uh, sitting down and uh, talking at a civil rights gathering and he's telling this story and it's juxtaposed with the action that's happening across town which is a clans rally um at the same time it's a clans rally where our lead protagonist uh played brilliantly by john uh, john washington uh, uh, david john washington yeah thank you i didn't want to say Denzel washington's son but he he, uh, john washington he fantastic performance and you juxtapose what's happening he's in the middle of this clan rally um on the other side of town and it is it's it is it's a very very moving scene where he delivers that performance um and it's it's just sad to to i mean he's 96 the man has lived his life he's lived more he's he's lived more lives than anyone can than a lot of us can uh can can aspire to living right so he was great musician uh great actor uh great political figure and as he said in the article and in more articles uh, about him obviously he was pivotal in the civil rights movement in america so it says here an intimate and an intimate of dr martin luther king jr belafonte was an important voice in the 60s civil rights movement and he later embarked on charitable activities on behalf of undeveloped African nations. He was an outspoken opponent of South Africa's apartheid policies. So this is just just numerous things that he's done. He won two Grammy Awards uh, and re- uh, recording uh, and the Recording Academy's Lifetime Achievement Award, a Tony and an Emmy. So that's that's an EGOT, right? So I mean, technically, that uh, he's he's gotten all of them. He's got an Oscar. He's gotten oh, actually no, he didn't have the Oscar. That's different. But he's got. Almost all of the, he's got an egot, which we removed the O, he's got that one. But he's now sadly passed away at the age of 96. Uh, we want to say rest in peace, uh, Harry Belafonte, uh, and your legend still stretches on and will still enjoy uh, your work, which you have left behind. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, he was the first artist to sell a million records ever. And also he acknowledged that his activism caused his career to come to a standstill because he was put on the blacklist at the time created by J. Edgar Hoover of people not to be employed. So for years he couldn't work, but uh, he never regretted it. He he says quite bluntly, he he never regretted it. He enjoyed his work. He was very, very dedicated to it. Very, very great man. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There are certain things that you'd, you'd be happy to sacrifice fame and fortune to be able to stand up for certain principles and that's exactly what he's done just a slight correction i said it was the banana song is the banana boat song that's what that's the name of these the 
his famous song that was what brought him onto the scene and brought a lot of people to know his music again from Beetlejuice when it was uh, included in that famous scene in Beetlejuice. One of the first films I saw him in, uh, because I always knew him as a singer and an activist, but then I saw him on TV, was a film with uh, John Travolta. Very, it was a very barely ever seen film, and I can't remember the name of it, but the premise of the film was a flip on how race is in, or how race was in America, where it, it was a white man's burden, that's the one, where essentially they'd, they'd replaced everything, everything was reversed, where the, um, up, I want to say upper class, but the rich ruling uh, race was actually black, and the working, you know, repressed slave race was white, right? So that's that's what that film was all about. So just imagine what what you would expect, you know, in a film from Spike Lee, where it's like a, the repressed class is is a black actor and so on and so forth. But this is reversed, where it's actually white characters that are being repressed. Hence, white man's burden. John Travolta was the one who was was that while he was fighting against his black boss, who was this. Um, who was played by Harry Belafonte, who owned the, the, the company, his family, generational wealth was on the black side. That was the first time I saw him in film. And, and then I started seeing him in a whole bunch of other stuff after that. So uh, may, may he rest in peace. And like I said, his legacy will live on. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And just before we wrap out film and TV news, Producer Dave mentioned something that kind of in, in the conversation before this, uh, we started recording that made me go and quickly do a Google search. And it might be true, but we'll see. We'll, let's, just, let's have a quick discussion about it. We've already been ranting uh, earlier about the the amazing Ted Lasso. But then producer Dave had to go and put, put that pinprick in my balloon and say that this is the last season. The third season that we're currently watching is the last season of Ted Lasso. So I did a quick search and I found a, an article on uh, townandcountrymag.com, which said, is Ted Lasso coming back for season four? Here is what the casts and creatives have said about the possibility of another Ted Lasso. Now, just the long and short of that, the extract from that, which is uh, um, by some of the cast, says, we don't need any more. We got it. But until that time comes, we will appreciate the curiosity beyond what we've come up with so far. The show has always intended the show was always intended to have a three season arc. We're writing it like that. This is said by Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent. Uh, he, he said that to the Sunday Times, uh, you know, with the idea that season three is going to be the last. Now, we know how these things are. Uh, the The Wire, for example, was a fantastic show where season three was supposed to be the last season. And because of how great it was, because of how much the fans absolutely loved that show, uh, the creators decided to carry on and do two more seasons. And I have to say the fourth season of The Wire is my personal favorite of the entire show. I mean, there are loads of bits that are fantastic, but the way I'd rank it, I'd go season four is is phenomenal. Actually, 
Okay, no, season three is the best season of the show. Absolutely. Season three is the best. Season four is just a little bit underneath that. And then you go season one, and then you go season five, and then you go season two. That's how I put it. Even still, all of them are fantastic uh, seasons. So I am hoping, I am hoping that greed is what pushes uh, the creators of Ted Lasso to carry on and do a season four at the very least. Uh, but if they decide to stick to their guns and quit after three seasons, I will be sad. But man, that would mean they it's, it's like going out on a high, right? It's like Firefly only doing one season and a movie and forever being my favorite TV show of all time because it's one season. So the benefits, so producer Dave, what is your opinion? You're, you've just started season three. Obviously, you don't know where season three is going. What is your opinion? Should they continue and do a season four or should they end it on season three? My opinion is um, when you design a show, it's, it's like a book. Uh, when you design a show and you have a certain number of chapters or elements, episodes in mind, that is the arc. Now, if you then add another one onto it, it's usually harder to write for because you've near enough wrapped up everything in that particular art that you've designed for. I'll go back to Babylon 5. Babylon 5 was always designed as a five season show. When they decided they were going to cancel it after four seasons, they rapidly put everything else into the fourth season to wrap it all up. And then they had the fifth season and it was kind of like lost. So I'm hoping that if they do decide that they're going to come back with a, a fourth season, they had actually had a potential fourth season in mind when they wrote the whole thing. But it, it doesn't depend on the writers per se. It depends on the star, Jason Sudeikis, who actually signed up for a three season arc. They have to persuade him to come back because it's not going to work without him, to be honest. That's no, absolutely. And the show is called Ted Lasso. You can't you can't have Coach Beard stepping into and the, okay. I'm now talking myself out of having a season four. I want the I, I you know what I I changed my mind and I'm I'm stuck in it. It's gonna hurt me to say bye bye to the show, but at the end of the day, it's not like the show is being eradicated from from history. It's going to be there for me to go back and watch season one and two and three. I mean, season one and two, I've watched them four times already. So it'll be great to be able to watch them for fifth time, this time with a new season that I can carry on with. So I, I agree. Uh, although the last line of this article says, yet Apple TV Plus uh, has been reluctant to call season three the final season. So there could hypothetically be more stories to tell in the Ted Lasso universe. And that's now the bit that is making me go, ah, oh, okay, no, 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 stop there. Because I love the characters that are in there. Um, I do not want a spin-off. I don't want a Ted, I don't, I don't want a Roy Kent and Keeley spin-off. Um, mainly because that's gonna be the same kind of thing that happened with friend with friends, where one of the great, the best characters on the show, one of the best, I'm not saying he was the best, Joey, right? Fantastic, played by Matt LeBlanc, fantastic character. The friends season finished, or the show finished, and they did a spin-off, which is just called Joey, where he now became the lead character. And the problem with that is the reason we love Joey in Friends is because we didn't have to spend too much time focusing on him because he wasn't the main protagonist. He shared with everyone else. So his two-dimensionality worked great. He was dumb. He was the dumb, hot guy. But then as we grew, we grew to love him 
as a three-dimensional character, but that's because he wasn't constantly in our face. He wasn't the protagonist. Having his own show after that growth means he's doing a show with that growth, and that's where his starting point is, and we know him as that. So it's like, well, where is there for you to grow next? You now have to start introducing other wacky characters, and it's like, well, I came to watch Joey for Joey, but he's no longer Joey, and that becomes a problem. I don't want the same thing to happen. I don't want a Roy Kent TV show, even though I love Roy Kent on Ted Lasso, and so on and so forth. Either way, I want, I'm happy with them closing the curtain, saying bye-bye to it, but make this show, this season, fantastic. Don't cop out right now. We're current, I think, episode seven has just dropped. More power to Ted Lasso. Believe. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And this is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we're going to jump into Spotlight. I want to use our Spotlight to talk about uh, Jordan Peele's third directorial outing, Nope, N-O-P-E. It came out uh, 2022. Uh, it, it has just dropped on demand and so on and so forth. I think it was on demand a couple of weeks ago. So this is the this is the tagline for Nope. It just says, the residents of a lonely glutch in inland california bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery that means nothing really right um if you if you if you get the tagline it doesn't mean anything if you saw the trailers that came out for the movie when it came out at the cinema it's midwest or as it says california ranch land it's got daniel kaluuya in it so so actors you've got daniel kaluuya oscar winning daniel kaluuya it's got Kiki Palmer. It's got Stephen Yuen from uh, The Walking Dead and a whole bunch of other projects uh, and uh, a number of other people. It's got Keith David in it. Love Keith David. Every time he pops up, I'm like, yes, I'm, I, I'm you, you, my guy. I'm following him. Anyway, the trailers just basically showed some cloud-like thing hovering over. You know it's something to do with extraterrestrials coming to this small little area or this outdoor area in California, but nothing else. And I was, I wanted to watch it. I wanted to watch it when it came out in cinema. I didn't get the chance. When it came out in box office, I was going to get it, but I was like, you know, it's on box office. There are a number of other things I'm going to be watching. Let me wait for it to come out on TV. And then I watched the movie. And I, I urged producer Dave to watch the movie as well. Um, I want to start, I want to start with you, producer Dave. Before I say anything about this film, producer Dave, what did you know about the film before going into watching it? And what was your opinion after watching it? I knew absolutely nothing. I hadn't even seen a trailer for it. So I went in totally cold. Good. And I was a little bit taken aback by the pacing, particularly okay. at the beginning, because okay. it seemed very slow, apart from that first scene with the... Um, yeah. Oh, 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 before we even... Before, should, should we do spoilers? Should we do spoilers? I think they're going to be. I think we're going to have some some limited spoilers, but not not a lot of spoilers. Okay. So the first scene, I will say, first spoiler: the monkey, and that's it. Um, okay. That first scene with the monkey kind of threw me a little bit. I just like, 
what? Yeah. What's going on? It was explained rather later in the film, but if you're expecting something of the ilk of Get Out or Us, mm -hmm. you, you're not going to get that at all. Okay. It's okay. not like that at all. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I thought, was holding it down. It was, yeah. it was like very much Western-like. Yeah. And, and I kept on getting this Western theme suffusing the entire feel, film. And you can't get away from that because even the music um, at points made you think that you were watching a Western. Yeah. But when you see the cloud, and that's another sl slight spoiler, yeah. um, that as a man says, hadn't moved in God knows how long. Hours, yeah. <laughs> Um, you get a, you get the feeling that thing. Um, one thing I will say about this um, ET terrest extraterrestrial, there were points when I thought to myself, that looks like a cowboy hat. Nice. Okay. It okay. looks like a cowboy hat. I mean, there was a scene there where he's running and he hides in, in I think, uh, um, yes. uh, some stores. And it looks like there's a, he's back to it, so he couldn't see it. But you look yeah. as if there's a, giant cowboy hat just about to land Fly, on his head. Flying on it, yes. In yeah. The wind. So yes. yeah, um, I have to say, honest to God, it took me a little while to get into the film. And when it started to move, yeah, nothing moved me from okay. my seat. I was watching it all the way through. So I agree with some with some of what you said. Some of what you said, I'm, I'm like, okay, fair enough. Interesting, interesting. Um, I, like I said, I kept myself I kept myself clean of what it was. And just to give a non-spoilery um, synopsis of the film, it follows this this brother and sister, uh, the, Hay the Haywoods, uh, OJ, which is a nice play, played by Daniel Kaluuya, and Emerald. Uh, so it's OJ and Emerald Haywood. Um, Emerald's played by Kiki Palmer. They are, have inherited, or, you know, this... Um, horse ranch in California and their main source of income is providing their horses to Hollywood productions uh, they want to do westerns or anything to do with horses that's what their main business was uh, or is rather now they're experiencing issues because uh, one of the things that happened was uh, very early in the film it, it, it's it's pretty, pretty straightforward um, their father played uh, by Keith David um, he's he's killed in an incident that we find out more about later on. And he was well known in Hollywood for being the one who was supply, supplying the horses. And now it's passed on to his son, OJ, who is more of the guy behind the scenes. So he knows how to take care of the horses. He knows how to handle them, how to train them, how to wrangle them when it needs to be. But he's not a people person, so he doesn't do that. His sister, on the other hand, she's the people person. But the thing is, she doesn't really like that business. That's not what she wants to do. She's a hustler. She wants to, She you see her introduction and she's like a live wire, right? She's the one who wants you, she, she comes in and she introduces herself saying they do the horse thing, but she also an actress, singer, producer, uh, catering, a whole bunch of stuff. And that's what her interests, that's where her interests lie. And it's in the midst of this family drama where the, the failing business is occurring and we then encounter this phenomenon that occurs in that area 
in the meantime, there's right next to the ranch that they have, there is a, a another sort of like uh, entertainment park, if you will, uh, that is run by Stephen Yuen, who he plays, um, what is the character? He plays Ricky Jupe Park, who is, uh, who, who was a, a child actor back in the day, back in the early 90s, and is now moved on, and he now runs this ranch with his family, where they do entertainment and so on and so forth. And OJ and uh, and Jupe do business where he, because OJ is trying to save the, the the ranch, he goes and he often sells, or rather, in his opinion, rents his horses to Jupe for his entertainment park. In just in, just so that he can raise enough money to be able to keep the business going, so he can go and get the horses back, etc. Now, that's the only synopsis I'm going to give, because, as you said, you want to keep it as limited spoilers. I do want to do an episode where we dive into full on spoilers, because I'm going to give my verdict now in the three films that uh, Jordan Peele has done, which is Get Out, Us and Nope. Producer Dave, let me ask you first before I go, where would you place Nope in those three? Personally, probably I would put that as third. You put that as third? Yeah. Okay. I, I, right. I did like Get Out most of all. Okay. Okay. So we agree with one. I agree with one part of what you've just said. So number one, Jordan Peele is best out of the three, in my opinion, Get Out. I think Get Out was phenomenal. Us, I, I did really like Us while I was watching it. After watching it, walking away from it, I still liked loads of elements of Us, but as a whole, I thought it wasn't as good as Get Out. I watched Nope, and I take Nope, and I slam it hard into the middle of the two. So it goes Get Out, it goes Nope, and it goes Us. Here's my opinion as to why I put it firmly in that second place. Now, one of the things that Us and Get Out have in common is the mystery and the twist, right? So both films had a Shyamalan-type twist that came in, and it was like, it's horror, right? It was horror. Both of them are horror. All three are horrors. You can class all three as horrors. But the other two had a twist, or like had twists upon twists upon twists inside, which embedded, which we're not going to spoil any of the twists for the other two. You can go and watch it. Get Out, the twists... I didn't see them coming. Us, the twists weren't that surprising. It's like the 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 number one twist in us, in my opinion, I got from 12 minutes into the movie. And the end of us kind of did this whole thing like you see this twist that we did here? It's such a big twist. Did it catch you out? Did it catch you out? Did you see it? And I'm like, uh, no, I, I kind of, I, I kind of thought that that was the whole point from the very beginning, right? And so because I walked away with that, all I kept thinking was, um, the twist, it failed. If that's what you were going for, if you were just treated it as if, oh, well, well we kind of expected you to have gotten that from the very beginning. And you didn't get that? Oh, okay, fair enough. That's incidental. Then 
maybe it would have been a stronger stronger feel for me. However, it was just the fact that at the very end, that was the point where it was like, you know. But then with Nope, there are no twists. No twists at all. It is not a surprise, gotcha, you didn't really see this coming. None of, none of that. It's a movie where you are discovering things that are happening the same way the characters are discovering it as they're going and that's how it's a straightforward linear story. I know you get a couple of flashbacks when it comes to this first scene you're talking about, which is about with the monkey. And that is, I, um, I've kind of already alluded to a little bit about um, uh, Ricky, you know, Jupe, Stephen Yuen's character, where he was a child star. So the bit at the beginning is about him being in a sitcom with a monkey, and the monkey goes, for lack of a better word, bananas. And, and I'll keep it like at that. And so you get flashbacks to what's happening with that scene. And there's a bit in that scene as well with the shoe, which I, I was like, what? And that ties in nicely with the film. So there are threads, just like with Get Out. One of the reasons I really loved Get Out was how you have loads of themes sewn into it, loads of bits that things that characters say, things that characters do, that you watch it over and over again and you come back and you're like, oh my goodness, that bit. That's why he was there. That's why I love Get Out. That's why Get Out is number one. It was slightly similar with Nope. And I know what you're saying with regards to how the pacing was going, right? I didn't have a problem with the pacing at all, seriously. And a lot of it was in the acting. Daniel Kaluuya just freaking crushes every single time this dude is on screen in anything i'm like i'm dude i don't care what you're doing m anything you want to call was that one with the with uh that's a remake of the um of the novel or the british tv series um with the wives what was it called widows widows that's the one He's phenomenal in Widows. Uh, it's a supporting character, but dude comes in and steals every single scene that he's in. Get Out, he's fantastic. He won the Oscar for um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Fantastic. He gives, every time he comes in, he's he's great. In this, he's just, it, you, see, you, you see how he's processing things and he picks up things just like, this is bit, this bit, this bit. And he's just watching and he's very subtle in his performance. And that's, I love his performance in that. Kiki Palmer was very live wire. And to a certain point where it's like eh, a little bit much, but in fact, I kind of, I'm thinking of it later on. It was like, well, the only reason why I think she was doing, a, you know, too much is because, you know, the, he, she's the exact foil of, of, uh, of, Daniel Kaluuya's character where he's not doing much at all. He's very subtle and she's going way over the top fantastic um then there's michael winston uh, michael wincott who comes in he's the the director of photography that comes in right uh when they bring in this expert to come and help them fill the that dude every time he comes on you see you you it's from his voice alone it's just i remember one of the things whenever i think about which films he's been in the one film that just pops in my head is um count of monte cristo the Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce, Count of Monte Cristo, where he's the warden, the prison warden in the prison that's holding the count, um, and he's ju he's just a fantastic, terrific, terrifying character, and he comes in, and that's what he brings that to this. It's just anyway, I was gripped right from the beginning.
right? Even when the pacing seemed too sweet, as you said, you described it as slow. I was like, no, I'm I'm happy with this pace. It's building slowly because so it's you said it's like a western. It is a western. And then again, because I watched some um some critiques, some video critiques of it. And a lot of them zoned in on that point that this is a Western and the whole idea of there all the themes of how, um, uh, you know, the African-Americans and black actors and black producers and black filmmakers have been eroded. It's like their work is being used in Hollywood, but then it's eroded and just you're taken away. That that theme runs right through the movie with the very opening scene. Um, well, not opening scene, but one when, when the credits are rolling and the introduction of the Haywoods, and you see it's the very first image apparently captured on screen was of a black jockey on a horse, and it's like everybody, and they say this in the film as well. It's like everybody remembers the person who filmed that. They mention mention the guy's name, but nobody ever remembers who the black jockey is. And the black jockey was their great great grandfather, or whatever. That's part of their sales pitch. Even that kind of ties in. And we were talking earlier about Harry Belafonte and uh, Sidney Poitier in a uh, in a, a black western way back when. The poster is in the film. It's in his house at the back. So it's all of those themes just piecing together. And it's like I I didn't even figure that, that that bit out. I saw the, the the poster. I saw the film. I was like, wow, a Western? Like, anyway, all of those themes. Jordan Peele has this way of layering his films, getting loads and loads of stuff, just feeding it into the movie that rewards multiple viewings of the film. Us is the same thing. Us has all of those themes weaved in. It has great funny scenes, funny characters, great acting. Winston Duke, he's great. From Black Panther, Umbaku, he's great in Us. He's fantastic. Um, it's uh, what's her name? I keep forgetting. Lupita Nyong'o, she's amazing in Us as well. But for me, what reduces Us is just that final twist, where it's like, no, I saw that coming. So don't make that the big surprise because it got spoiled. Whatever. I'm not gonna say what the spoiler is. But if you watch it, you will figure it out straight away. Um, so in my opinion, it went boop, boop, boop. It goes, uh, get out, nope, us. For me, um, us was better because it was a horror film and it was horror all the way through. And yes, you could you could work it out earlier on with that scene in the uh, in the ride home where yes. you, you worked it out. If, if you were paying attention, you would be able to work it out. However, um, there were elements of us which I rate above Nope. Like I said, it's horror and it was horror all the way through. And one of the things that really, really, really pulled it up for me in us was that track that was played quite often. Um, I got five on it. And the yes. way they used it to, if you've listened to the original track, you know what it's a bouncy, um, hip hop track. If you listen to it on us, it is slowed down and it's a really funky sort of like nod your head, really get into. And then all of a sudden it just heightens the horror when they play it and it just grips you there and it just feeds into that whole atmosphere. I got some of that with Nope, but not so much. 
And one of the other things, I mean, you, you've mentioned quite a lot of the players there, but you hadn't talked about Brandon Pereira, I think it was, the guy from Fries, who did a really good performance. A really plays Angel, good, yes. yes. He did a really good performance. I mean, I looked up Fries to say, I was thinking to myself, is this a bit of product placement? No, it's not, because that company went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> but it I was know. an actual yeah. company. So yes, I, I was looking at that, and I thought his performance was quite good as well. I thought, I, you know, there, there were scenes in there where he kind of like stole the show. I did like Nope. I really, I did like Nope. I just thought of the three, it goes in that order: Get Out, then Us, then Nope. I, I get it. I totally get it. I, I, I get because I had a conversation with someone else straight after, and I asked them to watch Nope, and they came back with, eh, "It was all right," and I was like, "No, that's not." Nope, that's not what I don't know why you don't have the same reaction I do. I felt it. I really, really enjoyed Nope. And I think I, I think what okay, I get I, I agree with what you're saying that us was great. Us was a us was a good film, but get out was still fantastic. Um and for me, I think the reason why I place get out right at the top, I think you're following two main people. And, and how they're going through the story. So the action follows mainly two people. You're following Daniel Kaluuya's character. And then later on, you follow um, his, his Lil Rel, his friend's character in his story. Um, whereas with us, you've got the five or the four of them and you're following their story. And then you jump to his friends and you're the neighbors and you're following theirs and so on. So there's, there's a lot that's going on there. So... One of the things about us that I think elevates it maybe above nope is you have multiple strands. So you have multiple areas of action that keeps happening. So if you're thinking about us, your mind goes, you, you talked about the use of the music of uh, I Got Five on it. And yeah, absolutely fantastic. There's great use of sound and music in nope as well. But with us compared to nope, you have a lot more action that's happening, right? So th scenes of doing, of people doing stuff, people running away, people escaping, people fighting, multiple threats that could come from anywhere. Same thing with Get Out, multiple threats that could come from anywhere. Whereas with Nope, the only threat is coming from above. And it's just in that one area, right? So it just, it, it becomes, because they it, he classes it as territorial. So it's in that specific area and it's, there's no we don't know about more of them around. We just know about that one that's there and it's in that square area. So the moment you get out of that area, you're safe, right? So there is that element to it. That in, so it downgrades the horror a bit. And obviously the way you deal with it, which I'm not going to say because of spoilers, is again, you could say that's very simple way of dealing with it, right? Unlike Jaws. That's a great example of a great um, comparison. It's Jaws. Think of Jaws, right? How would you deal with Jaws? Just don't go in the water, right? So you you, you stay on land, you're going to be fine. I Although when I watched Jaws, when I was like 11 um, and I went to bed, I had to tuck my legs in and lie in a fetal position because I was afraid that the shark would get my feet from under the bed. So, But that's different because I'm stupid, okay? So that's... Either way... <laughs> <laughs> that, you know you when you watch jaws you can say the same thing is like jaws wasn't that much of a horror film 
because what but the problem is if you're in the water then you're in its territory you become you become its prey that's the same kind of thing with nope i would compare nope and jaws and i'd put them side by side i'd say the horror comes from you being in that territory in the area that could get it yeah sure with jaws you could be in a big boat and you'd be fine Unless you go with Jaws 2 and Jaws 3, where it can capsize boats and stuff. But that gets ludicrous. Either way, that's the difference between us and Nope, where the threat was a lot more... Uh, it was There were a lot more sources of threat compared to in, in Nope. Um, and there was a lot more action happening constantly at various points so you you as you said the pacing in nope was bad because it's slow well yeah i didn't say it was bad i didn't say it was bad i just said it was slow toward at the beginning at the beginning and and yes i agree with you with your 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 sort of like bringing in jaws in there because i've read that as well somewhere i I looked at a few reviews um online this morning um and some people turn around and pointed to uh, close encounters as well because yes, close encounters. Yes. However, there's also the, um, the the westerns, which you know you alluded to as well. But there's you know the, I, I, I hate to say John Wayne, but not John not John Wayne per se. But you know yeah. some of those big western characters who sort of like ride off into the dusk. Um, walk off into the sunset or you know mm-hmm. that, because that is what the end scene he was on a horse. Ooh, don't say it don't say it <laughs> he was on a yeah. horse. I'm, I, i've said it he was on a horse <laughs> and that's it <laughs> you know that's all horse. i'm saying that's all i'm saying he was on a horse but you don't know the context of it so you know it's it's oh. it's, it's a, a bit of a spoiler but you know you'll see it and you know, you'll understand and it's setting it up for a sequel if you see what i'm saying um it's not okay. to get a sequel um you think it'll get a sequel Apparently so. One of oh, the really? things, yeah, apparently that. so. Uh, apparently, okay. um, uh, the they were very, very pleased with it. But um, if you didn't have that final scene, yeah, you would have thought that he had uh, perished. The, oh, okay. Oh, you've now said it, and I didn't. Okay, one of the reasons I didn't want to say it. One of the reasons I wanted to have a spoiler interview, a spoiler conversation was because I wanted to discuss that final scene. I, I wanted to discuss that final scene. Too late, but okay. I didn't, give, away, give, it, didn't give, it, give it all away, but still, you know. But you said he perished. So, but the question I would ask is, did he or didn't he? Well. Because, think of it. Think it's yeah, the same no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying you see him on a horse and you yeah. see him in the, fi- you know, in the final scenes and what have you. But. That question is still open. I mean, yeah. you, you, you think he's perished, but the final scene is either he did or he didn't, and you don't know, but there is yeah. going to be, but I've seen that there's going to be a sequel. So, but you still don't know if he's perished, if you see what I'm saying. Oh, see, now I'm... That's left, oh. It's left open because of so the, the kind of halo yeah. around him as well. I get it. Earlier in this episode, I was complaining about how Ted Lasso's cancel is, is is going to be ending after three seasons, and I'm like, oh no, but I want more. And but it would be good if it said this is a this is one of those situations where I don't want a sequel to this movie because it, it, you do a sequel and it ruins the impact. It it it, it is a solid film on its own. You don't 
Nope, two doesn't work. It, it, well, you don't is, know that. You no, don't know that. I, I do it, know it. You, don't, you no don't know that because if <laughs> one of the things I, I I remember saying earlier in in this episode is if they've already started writing before it's all, it's finished, then yeah then they can actually tie it all in properly. It's when it's finished and then they write a second one, that's when it starts to unravel. Sure, okay. It's I like, mean, a, um, what's sure. it called? What's the name of that film? Um, the football one. Uh, Italian Job. Italian, Italian Job. Job, okay. Yeah. That was written and ended with a sequel in mind. Okay. That last bit where they're hanging over the, the edge of the cliff, that film was written with a sequel in mind and because it didn't sure. do so well in the box office they didn't bother with it okay hey look i i'm not the oracle uh, of films um it doesn't serve them to do a second film i think it serves them best to keep it isolated it's just that one movie and jordan peele moves on does something completely different but hey i don't know it, they might come back and then say well it's now the the uh the, it's nope two noping harder or something along those lines. <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, I, I, I think you're, you're right in some respects as well, because I remember what happened with The Quiet Place. If you remember yeah. watching The Quiet Place and then Quiet Place 2, Quiet Place yeah. 2 didn't have the impact of Quiet Place 1. Yeah, there you go. And that's that's exactly what I'm thinking of. It's like Quiet, Quiet Place, I thought was a masterpiece. I thought it, it was, was a great brilliant. film. Um, and I haven't seen the second one. I did see some reviews where they where it's basically just saying that it's just rehashing what it's done, and the characters make stupid uh, decisions, and that's what you end up being. It's like in order to increase the tension, people have to make stupid choices. Yep. And it's like I hate, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, that was our convers- that was our spotlight on Jordan Peele's Nope. It's currently on Sky Cinema, and you can get it in other avenues as well. It's on demand, etc. I personally think it's a great film. Uh, Bruce Dave thinks it, it's not. Thinks it's I terrible. never said that. I didn't say it was not a great film. I said it, you asked me, and you set me up for this. You asked me where would I put it in the three that he's done, and I've said, and I gave my honest opinion. And you said it was last. You said it was terrible. Yep, you said I didn't say it was last. I didn't say it was terrible. I said it, of the three he's done, because of all the films I've seen this year, it's not the worst. I'm telling. I believe. You. In fact, I, I believe those were your actual words. You said of the films you've seen this year, it was the worst, and it was. It, it should be wiped. Yeah, off. yeah, yeah. Get off. Get off. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get off. <laughs> you listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Four Point Four FM. I want to thank you for taking your time to listen to uh, one idiot and one uh, one person who keeps <laughs> enabling that idiot. Uh, you talk about films, not stop uh keep listening keep send us your messages as well if you agree or disagree with us tell us where you think it lands send us messages on either twitter at stb underscore resonance fm or on instagram uh shoot the breeze show and just say what you think your order is for jordan peele movies and and thank you very much to resonance fm for allowing us the opportunity to breathe or taking all the oxygen, talking about random films and stuff that we like to talk about. Uh, we hope you carry on doing that. Go on to Resonance FM, go and support them. They're supported by an arts charity. So uh, obviously you go donate, listen to other great shows about various types of artistic endeavors uh, and let them know that you came from Shoot the Breeze. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Athol. I'm still producer Dave. Saying thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Nope.
<laughs> bye. Uh, bye. <laughs>